Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. I really wanted you to say station identification. Maybe edit more. <laughs> oh, you drink your pappy and sit there and, and, and shut the hell up. I think we just got our cold opening. Mackenzie Milton is transferring to Florida State. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Josh Newberg. It's a very special edition. Um, we just coming off this instant reaction podcast last night. We're doing another one because Mackenzie Milton is transferring to Florida State. I got Chris Knee with me. I got Brendan Sinone. And we're going to just get right into it. Brendan, KZ, coming to Tallahassee. Tell me about it. What do I have here? What, what do you guys see on the Zoom? What is this? What are you wearing? A tank top? It's, no, a coffee, it's a coffee cup that incorrectly recognizes a team that believed they once won a national title. UCF. Now, what's this? It looks like a fine bottle of bourbon. It's a 15-year-old Pappy Van Winkle. I'm poured into my 2017 UCF National Championship Cup. That's a mug. That's a coffee mug. <laughs> Woo! We got McKenzie fucking Milton! I'm excited for this, guys. Mackenzie Milton is, whether you want to believe it or not, a national championship quarterback. Not even caliber quarterback. It's an NCAA record book. He's a national championship quarterback for the University of Central Florida Knights, UCF Knights, my alma mater. He's a badass, guys. This is a really big deal for Florida State. There's going to be some things that we're going to talk about with his injury, and and that was obviously catastrophic and has cost him two years of his career. But – for those of you who followed UCF the last few years, uh, he was excellent for the Knights in 2017. He was really good for them in 2018. He led them to two back-to-back undefeated regular seasons, including a bowl win against Auburn, and that's the, the some people like to joke, national champion. Um, he's really good. I'm really excited about this. This is big for the program. This is big for Mike Norvell. I think it's going to be a really good fit if he's healthy. I know we're going to get into that, Josh, but but legitimately – I am excited for this. Yeah, no doubt. And so are FSU fans. Um, But FSU fans aren't the only ones excited. Chris Knee has been checking in with FSU recruits, a bunch of commits and targets. Chris, what's the buzz on Mackenzie Milton at FSU from the recruiting standpoint? Oh, you know, we're only about, what, 90 minutes to two hours since the news broke via ESPN and Mackenzie putting out there on the Twitter sphere. God, I'm struggling talking. Don't forget my crystal ball on Friday. We're not touching that, sir. Um, I talked to a few guys. I talked to Josh Burrell, Jackson West, Kobe Gross, obviously all offensive guys. I found it interesting that, you know, uh, Burrell talked about big time seeing a quarterback like him come to FSU. He's great. It's proven with his stats. Thought that was a nice line. Jackson West talked about, you know, loved his style of playing what he did at UCF pre-injury. Hopes he can stay healthy at FSU. Also thinks it's excellent for the competition of the quarterback room for Jordan, Tate, and Chubba. Obviously the guys that are currently in that room. Kobe also excited about it. On the defensive side of ball, Chambre 
that is just crazy. I was hyped about it. That sounds exactly like what he would probably say if we were talking in person. And then Jordan Eubanks added that it's really good for FSU to find essentially one true quarterback because obviously it's a position they've struggled at this year. So I think you see a little bit of a bounce effect with that. I'm interested to hear from targets. You know, I reached out to Destin Hill, for example, mm-hmm. a few other guys, Katravian Hargroves and an offensive target that I reached out to about it. Interested to see what they say. And then I think it's going to be very interesting to see if this will have any bit of a magnetic effect for portal targets possibly to know that they can come in and potentially play with a guy who is established is known and kind of, you know, if nothing else certainly raises the floor of that room drastically from the get-go. Brendan, back to you. What does Mackenzie Milton bring X's and O's wise to Mike Norvell's offense at Florida state? So what Mackenzie Milton did, and this is all pre-injury that we're going to talk about what he was before. And we are under the belief that he is about 90% healthy right now. After I've gotten that from within the UCF coaching staff that, you know, he, he quote unquote tore it up on scout team. And that this coach told me that, you know, this isn't just hearsay. Uh, the scout team film is available to any college that wants it. So there's, there's a bunch of film there. So assuming that once he's under full contact and he is even relatively close to what he was pre-injury, McKenzie Melton is extremely accurate. He doesn't have the biggest arm, Josh. Like he's not an NFL-sized quarterback. He doesn't have the NFL you know, zip on, on his passes. But he does push the ball downfield very, very accurately. In 2017, he was PFF's fourth-ranked quarterback nationally. And they went to the new scheme. Uh, under with the current staff with Josh Heupel, who was the 31st ranked quarterback. So, so not elite, but still really good high end quarterback in two different schemes. He was also a, a full time starter as a freshman in 2016. So, he's someone who brings a lot of experience from an X and O standpoint. Like I said, he's really accurate, especially with the deep ball, but also very quick release. Josh, like he he sees the field field well. He scans the field, gets rid of it quickly. He's like a point guard running the offense. He's like a point guard running a pick and roll. Like he just. He's so cerebral in how he plays. The game doesn't move too fast for him, especially as he's gotten older. Uh, even if he has some jitters at some point, he always seems to calm down. So, so there's this, these very, this uh, very polished and mature nature in the way he plays. He's also fairly mobile. Again, if, if he is fairly healthy, uh, he's someone who would usually rush for about 300, 400 yards a season. So he brings a lot to Mike Norvell's offense. And, and I think he has a respect for what Mike Norvell does as a, as a play caller and then vice versa. I know for a fact the staff has immense respect for Mackenzie Milton and what he does as a quarterback. I think they're going to really, really be a, a successful marriage together with those two sides. We're going with the presumption, the belief that he is healthy. And as Josh pointed out, we've talked to people tied to UCF directly on that program staff who said that, you know, video is available of him with the scout team doing an effective job and showing that he's come a long way in the two years, essentially, since that injury. But even if he isn't healthy, is it still valuable to FSU? Because in my viewpoint, yes, it is. I think he's a guy that, one, he's going to help a very young quarterback, inexperienced quarterback room. Two, I think he's a guy that, based on reading the tea leaves and talking to people tied to UCF that know him, that he's very well-liked. He's just kind of a guy that people gravitate to in the locker room, in the weight room, working out, doing things. And obviously FSU is a roster that's still heavily in transition. So there's value in that. So even away from the potential value of what he is capable on the field, whether or not he returns to pre-injury form, is it still a valuable take? In my opinion, yes. To your, your way. to your point, Chris, I, I agree totally. There are people from 
Mackenzie Milton's time under a previous coaching staff who would say this and, and people who were with him under this current coaching staff at UCF and both players and coaches, staffers alike, who would say that he was a straight up alpha dog, that he was someone who made when he was playing, made everyone around him better. Uh, but even in the locker room and, and the way he he interacts with with other people, he's a leader. He's someone that, that others like to gravitate towards. Even when he was injured, same thing. He had that steadying presence, was was a big factor in helping Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback who's at UCF now, who's had a really nice uh, two-year stretch as a starter since he was a true freshman, kind of settle in. They're both from Hawaii. They're both really close friends. Mackenzie Milton largely kind of stepped aside, so there wasn't this weird quarterback controversy next year. Um, so Mackenzie Milton is extremely well-respected, even if he doesn't play a snap for Florida State. And again, we're all of the belief that he comes in to be the starter. That's why he's being taken. But uh, even if he never does play a single snap for Florida State, I think he brings a level of, of maturity and experience to that quarterback room that will really benefit the program in the short term and long term. Josh, I'll throw this to you. Hmm. FSU landing Mackenzie Milton, doing it quickly, doing it with no real headaches to be known for how big of a win is that for Mike Norvell and that staff, not just in acquiring a talented player, but in the way they went about doing it and in acquiring a guy who's from a transfer standpoint going to be one of the, let's say roughly top 25 to top 50 guys out there probably this year in that transfer market. feels good. Uh, It feels good to see something go down strategically and concisely and well-planned because you know the importance of landing a quarterback three days before signing day. Um, they're in, you know, they're in it for a couple offensive recruits, namely Destin Hill. And losing Luke Altmeyer was a, I won't say a big blow to that recruitment, but it's not easy trying to tell the star wide receiver to come to our school while the while the QB's walking out the door. Well, now you get Mackenzie Milton in. Um, the national media has taken notice. There's a huge uh, buzz around this. And just like you said, you've already been talking to recruits. They know what's happening. Not only does it help you instantly with early signing day, but now your February signing day as well. You can get M- Mackenzie Milton a little bit active on the recruiting trail if need be. I don't know if they'll necessarily be after uh, high school receivers, but you know the, the possibility of a transfer receiver is definite. And being able to talk to a mature incoming quarterback like a Mackenzie Milton is really going to help them in the transfer market. I'm, I'm, I said this when it happened, one of the first things I said in the group chat was I'm glad to see them get this wrapped up so quickly. Um, this wasn't something that they needed to keep dragging on past signing day, because while they might've still landed him, it's not going to really have that impact on the recruiting trail. Like this one will due to the timing of it all. We've discussed so much on this podcast about how the portal is going to play such a key role in this year's recruitment for FSU, what they're going to do. I think the fact that they landed a kid of this value, both on and off the field, calms a lot of nerves about what they intend to do with the portal. I mean, Steve Wiltfong, for example, today when he was chiming in on a different subject, was talking about how if FSU is taking a kid currently out of the high school ranks, we're talking additions to their current commitment list. It's guys that they know are like surefire contributors. They're not just taking guys to fill spots. They want that space for the portal. So if the tactic is we're going to go heavy in the portal, you want to see them have success in the portal. I think this is obviously an explosive way to kind of launch that and start it off. And we did see them have success in the portal last year. But when you reduce the roster and kind of cleaned it up and turned it into what it is currently and what it will need to be here in, you know, end of February and then obviously going into next August, 
the portal is going to play such an essential role. So I just think it's, I think it's a good omen, I guess is the mm-hmm. best way of putting it. You know what else is going to play an essential role moving forward? Market Square Liquors. Brandon, tell us what Market Square Liquors on Timberlane Road has going on. Usually when we have Market Square Liquors uh, queued up here to talk about in the podcast, it's because it's something sad. It's somber. It's it's helping us ease our, our depression. We're celebrating, but Brandon. We are celebrating. Those days We're, are behind us. We are celebrating a Florida State ass-kicking of Duke. Florida State got after that ass. We are celebrating the McKenzie-Milton era here in Tallahassee. There's some other good news coming up on the other side of this ad read. But what other, what better way to celebrate than with toasting champagne into the heavens and saying, thank God for positive momentum for Florida State football, right? And Market Square Liquors has a champagne tasting on December 13th. Is that today? That's happening right now. It's happening right now. How fitting. But it's, they already, the first one already happened, right? 1 to 3 p.m. But but they have another one. First tasting when the news of Mackenzie Milton. It would have happened in that exact in that exact win- bottle of champagne yeah but by the time this podcast is posted i uh, there'll still be time for you to get to the champagne tasting in the the evening one it ends at 6 p.m so there'll be time for you guys to get on over and have some champagne and, and toast to the heavens say thank you for hope so check out market square liquors they do have a fantastic selection also a bunch of gift sets of, of holiday liquors and uh do they have they have Ardbeg Scotch like a gift set of Ardbeg Scotch? It's smoky, it's delicious. I love Ardbeg, so they have all sorts of good stuff there. Go check them out off the Timberlake Road. Cheers. And the big news that you were talking about on the other side of the ad read is the the news that well, at least me and Chris, I don't know if Brandon has yet, but we put in crystal ball picks for top oh, twenty-seven. The hat well, trick not, is I, in. The hat I, trick is in. I think I, the Holy Triumphant is in. I think all of them are in. The Wiltfong, the Doan, the Knee, the Snone, the Newberg. I don't even know if the Blowstein is, but it will be by the end of this. He may be doing something for Hanukkah. Who knows? What do we call that? The new, the the Kneeberg, uh, Sun, Fong, We were talking about what? Sex, sex tuplets yesterday? Was that the reference to, you know, Miami losing at everything, Florida losing at everything? Sex tuplets is like six six babies at once. I don't think that's what it, they were saying. It was sex something. I don't know. I was at a wedding, so I was like only half paying attention. I'm sorry. But, you know, today it's been a pretty good day, too. Sex something? Something. What? We really veered off course here. Good job. I, it wasn't my fault this time. I'm letting you guys go, but I want to talk about <laughs> my decision – our decision, I should say, to put in crystal ball picks for top 24-7 defensive end, George Wilson. Um, for those that don't know who George Wilson is, he is a four-star defensive end from the Virginia Beach area. Uh, he goes to Green Run High School, for those that are familiar with the area. He's a six foot five, 214-pound, weak side defensive end, ranks as the 24th ranked defensive end in the country and the 363rd best player overall. 24-7 has them, I'm sorry, those are the composite rankings. 24-7 has them much higher at 188th overall. Where did this news come from? Well, let's kind of recap what's been going on with George Wilson. There was rumors that he was going to be in Auburn, Alabama this weekend to watch Auburn's home game. He did not make it. We confirmed that today. Um, Wilson has gone on record recently saying that he's going to sign on Friday. Uh, remember, the early signing period opens on Wednesday and you can sign through Friday. So he's going to sign on Friday. And he was down to three schools, Auburn, Florida State and North Carolina. 
Um, he was saying publicly that North Carolina was in it, but North Carolina offered him in the spring, but there's some um, hesitancy on whether or not they're still pursuing him. But we do know Florida State and Auburn were both heavily pursuing George Wilson and very active with them up until today. And the news of Gus Malzahn's firing has triggered an avalanche of crystal balls in FSU's favor. Um, Chris, if, if Florida State can close the deal, it's not done just because we put our crystal ball picks in doesn't actually mean he's Florida State's property yet. But George Wilson, what does he bring to this team if he commits to FSU? Well, I think the addition of him in addition to Pat Payton that they received a commitment from here in the last week, the South Florida defensive end, Patrick Payton. Mm -hmm. uh, you've upped your game with pass rushers. You know, we've talked endlessly about FSU's desperate need for guys who can get home on the quarterback, guys who can turn the edge and pressure and get there quickly and do things who are explosive, who are long-bodied, who have frames they can fill out. And there was we had major concern with the recruiting of this class and where they stood at that position up till roughly a week ago. And Peyton alleviated a lot of that. But, hey, the more the merrier. We're not being picky here, but we'll take plenty if they want to come. You know, he's listed at 6'5", 214. He's got a basketball frame he's going to be able to add on to there. He's a kid who I think actually was more focused on hoops than football up until mm -hmm. the last year or two. You know, when Auburn wants he has a defensive end pass rusher, it's usually a good sign. Kevin still loves getting after him and, you know, defensive coordinator over there at Auburn, at least for the next few days. Um, you know, I'll take any kid that he's in love with personally. I, I think I think Kevin knows what he's doing and yeah, that, that's a good sign for FSU. It's an area that Odell has a lot of ties to. I'm not sure in Wilson's case if it's all Odell or Odell and JP combining on that one or if there's a third person whose hat is in that ring. But he's a guy that can definitely help the Seminoles. His mom earlier today to Brian Doan, our national guy in that area, told him, told she told Brian Doan that he still intends to do his deal on Friday. So that's a good sign. Um, but, yeah, it'd be a huge addition. It would really satisfy a major need, give FSU a guy who they could have for anywhere from three to five years instead of going to JUCO ranks or to transfer ranks and having a guy who's essentially a one- or two-year Band-Aid. So in that sense, it brings greater value than what they may have ended up having to settle for in the end if they were not getting a guy like George Wilson. This morning when we woke up, the Auburn crystal ball on George Wilson was about 82%, I believe. It is currently at 19%, and Florida State has surged to 66%. Yeah, I think one of the Auburn ones that's still in there might be Keith. And, you know, Keith is one of those guys where, yeah, Keith still has it on Auburn. I don't think it will stay there. Keith, no, it won't. Keith is an Auburn rider, and he's busting his backside right now trying to cover Auburn commitments and recruits right. with reaction to Gus Malzahn's dismissal. Keith might be the only person in this industry who carries his anxiety as uh, publicly as as openly as I do. Correct? Like we're kind of yeah, we're kind of on the same page. Who doing a podcast? Imagine him covering this right now. Woo! Oh, we should do a, a podcast job. together. Yeah. We, Keith and I should do a podcast together. That'd be really fun. The nervous Nellies. <laughs> All right. Uh, I want to move on and talk about Gus Malzahn's firing. Uh, the the Auburn coach. Could you believe he's been there for eight years? I can. I'm just glad the annual tradition of Gus Malzahn is going to get fired actually for once actually happened because I, I for one, was exhausted by the every year 
are we going to go after Auburn recruits when Gus Malzahn gets fired? I feel like that's happened for the last four years. I know seven. He's and, been there eight. I feel like this has happened the last seven years in a row. And I kind of openly mocked it last week because it keeps happening every year. And then they finally came through and did it. I think Gus made his bed by being an offensive coach whose team is quite awful to watch offensively, personally. And Auburn obviously got smacked by Alabama. But it is funny because Gus is arguably the most successful coach under or against Nick Saban that you're going to find. So it's a weird deal. I don't know who yeah, is going to go out there team, and hire. I think the league caught up with his offense. Oh, certainly. And they were painful to watch. They were awful in road games off for the last couple year. years. So, they've been yeah, no, I, I get them making the change, but I just feel like it's one of those things where, you know, Auburn's one of those fan bases that kind of always feels like if they lose, they're out for blood, even more so than the general normal fan bases. Yeah. But it finally came true. What a day! What a what a day for Kenny Dillingham. He's gainfully employed today. It wouldn't have been the yeah. case. And he just landed his quarterback of well, I was going to say the future for at least next year. It's a good. And day. he's got his name in the Arizona head coaching. Uh, oh, that's position. right. That's right. I, let, I me, pers- let me address that real quick. Okay, I don't. Okay. I think it's great that Kenny Dillingham. You know, from a from a career perspective, that Kenny Dillingham can get his name mentioned for that job. I I think realistically, he's probably at least a year, maybe two years removed from like realistically competing for a head coaching job of that caliber. But if somehow, you know, Dillingham can position himself and get that job at Arizona, great for him. I mean, that would be a huge jump, a massive jump, you know, because since he's not, since he's not even really an offensive play caller per se at FSU, but, um, he is heavily influencing the offense. He has a great reputation. I just think he's a little young in the game to actually get that job. But, you know, from a, from, from his perspective, I'm sure he's having a great day. We yeah, all FSU's, I think FSU's offense has to take off consistently and show what they're capable of, right. you know, week in, week out for him to elevate to that. I think I, I'm interested who Arizona hires. I think Arizona's, you know, Richard had some success out there and obviously they grew tired of him and things went poorly for him both on and off the field and led to his dismissal. But that's a program that's capable. Like I'd be interested. I think Sark's a guy they might look at Steve Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see, uh, is it Brennan out there at what San Jose state? Who's had a lot of success this year as a guy. I definitely could see them going after uh, coach Ken at Navy. I believe they went after him pretty hard last time when they hired someone. Say his I, last I think, name. Don't call him coach. Oh Ken. God. Go don't, for it. Do it. Do not it. Not happening. Not happening. I'll take Whoa! that. <laughs> but I, I'm interested in that job. I think that's a job that is very attractive, especially for guys like even a Brian Harson, for example, at Boise. I don't think he'd leave Boise for that job, but I think that job can be attractive to somebody of that right. level who's had some success. Sorry, all right, I mean, this, this, I, is, this isn't wild. This isn't the wildcat on I, the bench. But this year is going to be interesting with coaching searches. You know, we've seen what Auburn, Arizona, Illinois. Arkansas State, who else has already entered the field? Arkansas State already made South, their hire. South Butch. Carolina? South, South Carolina Alabama. already made their hire. South Alabama, have they made a hire yet? I don't believe so. There's a few. I'm interested just how many jump in or take the Tom Herman, vague response, Texas approach. And when teams yeah. do jump in, I think it's a year where you really need to know who you're going to hire if you jump in. It is weird that this is the year where like some long-term hot seat coaches like Gus Malzahn or, or Will Muschamp, this is the year where – SEC programs are like, no, no, COVID but, year, finances tight. We don't care. We're moving on. Muschamp's yeah. a guy who probably should have been fired last year. And Malzahn's a guy who it feels like it's been on again, off really off again relationship, like we referred to for several years. And he got smacked by Alabama and that never goes over well. 
This Pappy is delicious. I and think, it's even better out of this UCF National Championship mug. Undefeated. I think Auburn, I don't like this Mackenzie Milton to FSU thing for one reason. Brendan is trying to get FSU fans to agree that they have a national championship quarterback on the roster. I don't like this. I don't like what you're doing. You can't force us to agree to that. It's <laughs> it's not happening. Also, KZ. We're calling him KZ. But I think I think Auburn should hire uh, Billy Napier. That would be my pick at, at Auburn. I think Ooh. he would do a good job there. I'm sure that's one, one of the jobs he's definitely eyeing. I think Billy wants to get something that's kind of ready-made to be successful. Yeah. I, I don't think he's taking a another ladder step to get to that level. I think he'd much rather ascend the ladder very quickly to that level. Um, Chris, you've been keeping an eye on Auburn recruiting. Uh, Keith Niebuhr is doing a good job over there of getting a running list of uh, updates from their current commit list. Now, Florida State fans have a close eye on a couple guys. Who should they be watching for? Well, Lee Hunter is one that's probably one of the first names people think think of. Big Lee Hunter. Been committed there a long time. Once in a blue moon fires off a tweet that makes people think things are getting interesting. And then those fans, those flames calm down. Uh, in this case, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I think he intended to sign this week. We'll see if he still follows through with that. You know, he's a guy that FSU has been active with throughout the whole process. He has a relationship with Odell. He also knows Marcus Woodson. It's going to be interesting. To my knowledge, at this point, no comment yet from him directly. I believe Keith had something in his rundown about recruits committed to Auburn about him from a source, but not directly to Lee. Some other names, Amari Harvey, obviously a local to Tallahassee, chose Auburn over, I think it was Texas A&M, FSU was thrown in there, but him and FSU didn't really recruit each other for the last eight or so weeks of his original recruitment. So I'm not overly optimistic FSU jumps back into that one. Um, Marquise Robinson, defensive tackle from Milton's, another kid that FSU was once on that ended up there. Another guy FSU wasn't super active with, but D-Tack was still kind of an open-ended discussion. I still think Josh Farmer, Shawnbury Jackson are two on FSU's commitment list who play there, but it wouldn't shock me if they looked to take a third guy, so probably worth at least keeping an eye on. We obviously talked about George Wilson, discussed that at length. I think that's probably the one where FSU benefits the most currently from the dismissal of Gus Malzahn. Armani Goodwin, the running backs, another target. A lot of people thought he was going to go back to Auburn. He was once an Auburn commitment. It'll be interesting to see if this leaves the door ajar. I think LSU is probably the team that benefits the most right now, if that's the case. LSU was kind of the other one in the running there. Tarverish Dawson is a athlete. I think FSU likes him as a wide receiver. He's actually teammates with Amarian Cooper down there in the Lehigh area. He's somebody FSU offered not that long ago. It would be interesting to see, you know, as they keep looking at some other receiver targets, because obviously that's a position where numbers have started getting very thin for this program. But I don't know if they're getting Hill if they want to take a guy like Dawson. Are they going to look at Dawson or are they going to look at Portal? That's one of those balancing acts. Uh, Byron Young, someone that you've kept up with a great deal, Josh. He's mm-hmm. a guy that we've always thought Auburn is one of the major contenders. I think it's definitely. fair to say that FSU, Auburn, Tennessee are definitely three that have been in there for some time with Byron Young. Georgia Military College, outside linebacker, DN type. A little bit tough to get up with. I think Josh is trying to work for comment from him. We're hitting some of those guys up. We're kind of letting Keith have first at bat because Keith's busting his ass and trying to do his job at a high level. He's also one of those guys that he'll find out from a kid, well, if you're not going here, who are you talking to? So we're letting some of that play out, but we're definitely chasing it as well. Yeah, lots of stuff coming um, almost by the minute. So keep up to date on Knowles 24-7. We also have a great promo running right now. I believe it's 60% off an annual VIP pass to Knowles 24-7. If you're thinking about joining, just go to the front page. You'll see in the upper right-hand corner, there's a green button that says join now. 
click that. It'll take you right to the deal and sign up right now to become a member of Knowles 24-7. We will take care of you not only through the regular, the early signing day, but also the regular signing day into the spring, summer, fall, and for the rest of your life, we'll take care of you at Knowles 24-7. All right, let's pause for a quick commercial break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And we're back from commercial break. After all this great recruiting news, after all this great transfer news, after all this great football news, we're going to switch it to hoops and talk about more greatness. Uh, Chris, over the weekend, Florida State Hoops took on the Florida Gators. And what happened? FSU won 83-71 pretty convincingly. They led for a vast majority of the last 30 minutes there. It was Leonard Hamilton's 74th victory over a ranked team in his career, 56 of those coming during his time here at Florida State. He has 11 victories over Florida in his time at FSU, by far the most successful FSU coach ever against the Gators. You know, FSU at home, 41 in a row, 26 against uh, 41 non-conference victories at home in a row, 26 in a row at home, regardless of what conference that team belongs to. Obviously, Keontae Johnson Ford for Florida collapsed out of a timeout early first half, kind of swung that game to some degree, definitely emotionally well, impacted both teams, but certainly impacted the Gators a great deal with him being the central piece of their team and a center of focus. How is and, he doing? And, and prayers to him. And and that was a scary situation. I've, I've been in the car vast majority of today, but the last update I saw was the same update. Essentially we got after the game yesterday, which was he's at TMH here in Tallahassee, critical, but stable. I believe uh, some people from the Gator beat confirmed that his parents were being flown in here to Tallahassee to be with him. I believe Scott Strickland or AD was also going to try to make his way here. To be with him, I believe Coach White, Mike White, Florida's head coach, was also spending time with him. Uh, you know, we don't know more. We don't even know exactly what happened. It was obviously very concerning, very scary. Um, you never want to see that on a court. It's not like he got banged in the head with an elbow or it was a mass collision. We've seen instances of stuff like that happen. But for him to literally be coming out of a timeout, walking back on the court with his teammates and just tumbling over and being very unaware of what was going on and being stretched off, extremely concerning so um they've been pretty tight-lipped i believe with obviously his medical info as one would expect it's private info but hopefully we get some good updates here in the next 24 to 48 hours about him and hopefully he can be you know heading back home and maybe getting back on the court at some point this season he's you know a lot of people think he's the best player in the sec this year so basketball is obviously secondary in that whole conversation for that young man at this point but hopefully it all works out for him and he gets back out there and doing what he loves obviously scary but on the court you know it, it was a good game it was a competitive game um you know i think that jarred florida to some degree i think fsu also found their balance there 
You know, FSU was playing basically 60 hours after an overtime game with Indiana while Florida had a week to prepare. So I think there was a little, not rust, but Florida ran a bit of a pack line defense and it bothered FSU out of the gate. And I think FSU settled in and figured that out. I thought MJ Walker was phenomenal. Again, he's playing like a senior leader. He's playing like the dude that when you need something, he's going to give it to you. Scotty Barnes for a guy playing in his third game against the rival. He he looks like a pro. I mean, he's awesome. He turns in highlights left and right. He had a three basket successive period where he had a dunk and two layups, one to each side. He brings a little swagger to that team too. Yeah. And he he can distribute. He's going to be so good. You know, as he get more, more minutes under his belt, more playing time with different lineups on the court, more of just a natural feel for the college game that you can't get without actually playing it. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a blast to watch him, you know, when we're getting into late January, early February and what he's going to be down the stretch run. Uh, you know, I, I thought Raquan Gray, he only scored five points, but he had, I think, eight or nine boards, if I recall correctly. I thought he played a really good game again. You know, they're, they're getting good contributions from some of those guys that you expected to take the next step. Anthony Polite is certainly one that needs to be mentioned in that category. Anthony Polite's been a really, really good basketball player for them this year. He's a guy who 100% has taken that next step as a player. MJ Walker has as a leader. Balsa has as a player. Raquan got himself in better shape, and it's paying off. The key for this team moving forward is for the bench to continue to develop. They had eight points in the Indiana game, 24 against Florida. You need a guy like Cedar Calhoun come on a little bit more. You need a guy like White Wilkes to knock down the shots a little bit more. Some of that stuff. They play Florida, or I'm sorry, they play, uh, they host Georgia Tech on Tuesday evening, 8.30 p.m. on the ACC network. That's a tip off to ACC play for the Seminoles. Georgia Tech's been sort of weird. They lost to Mercer and Georgia State. They beat Kentucky, and I think it was Maryland. I think both of those were away from home. So go figure. Uh, yeah. Passenger's bunch got a lot of veterans. They can do some things. It should be a challenging game. But I think FSU, especially at home, I feel pretty good about them. Chris, did you post a recap of women's basketball while recording the podcast just now? You're goddamn right. Nine blocks for Valencia Myers today, tying a school record. I do think, Josh, I think this is a good odd time to talk to Chris about. Uh, are, you how, do, are you doing an intervention with me about? Hoops? Yes, not no, no, not no, hoops. not about hoops. <laughs> we talked about this on the instant yesterday, and you and I talked about it a little bit. Being you, trying to do what you do during a game yesterday, opened my eyes. One, we already know you work hard. Uh, the hardest working man in this industry, probably. The efficiency of that work, however. When I realized upon trying to set up the live game thread for FSU Duke and then the live game story, when I realized how much they mirrored each other and how repetitive it was, you've been doing that all season, Chris? Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maniac. I'm a creature of habit. If I do it once at the start and I intend to do it all season, I'm going to do it all season. I thought it was idiotic for the last several weeks <laughs> as we transitioned to doing the updates and the updates. <laughs> But I didn't care. I was still going to do it because it's what I did at the start. I see it through to the end, you know, and I don't opt out. I opt out. I, I see it doesn't work. I'm like, no, this is this isn't this happening is right now. I've but, seen roughly six minutes of the football game total. I stood in line waiting for food at the wedding last evening, watching the game. That's basically the period of the game I've gotten to see. <laughs> I'm going to watch it at some point today when I don't have to live on my phone talking to her. Well, Chris. don't worry. Brendan has given us a rewatch. What mm-hmm. are just quickly before we get out of here because we're almost done with this thing but on the rewatch brendan what was some things that hit you hopefully chris watched the first quarter or third or fourth and not the the second quarter uh, uh he was sitting the, in the one 
period I watched was a little bit in the first and the explosive bit in the third where they pulled away. Okay. So Josh, there wasn't a ton different than what we had kind of thought off, off of the instant pod mm-hmm. that we did afterwards. The one thing that I want to say is that the offensive line, uh, especially run blocking, probably had their best game of the season. I, Duke's defense is pretty porous against the run, so grain of salt. But Darius Washington, I thought, had his best game of the season. Him having some time off to let that, that ankle injury that's been nagging all year mm-hmm. uh, heal, that was huge for him. He had a few really monstrous blocks, like really nice, like pancake, putting people on the ground type of block. So that was helpful for FSU. Then Dante Lucas, I thought, had a really nice game as well. It was really good to see those two guys show up because they've just had their ups and downs this season. Uh, so that was the one big takeaway, I would say, is the offensive line had a really nice game. Robert Scott did some things athletically that were impressive. Uh, just just good to see that group grow and progress, which is what you want from young guys. That was the big takeaway after rewatching it. You think Cutcliffe's at Duke next year? I think he would retire and not get fired, first and foremost, if he was to depart. The, the team does seem, Chris, like they've kind of checked out on him. Uh, but, I mean, it's they, hard they to gave say a, if it's just this year. Yeah, if it's, FSU you know I mean? nailed the average. I mean, I think they were giving up what was it, fifty five point three over the last three coming mm-hmm. in. They gave up fifty six. So like they, they have very much been that putrid defensively for the last four, which is weird because earlier in the year defense was a bit of a saving grace for them. Oh, Josh, we were talking about the UF LSU game while that was ongoing during the instant pod, and that was a fun ending, huh? Now I saw the close. shoe get thrown, and let me tell you. <laughs> Very few times in my life have I just laughed to the point where, like, I thought I was going to fall out of a chair, but I was just cracking up. And then the announcement of the penalty for 20 yards throwing the shoe down the field, that that was – That put it oh. over the top. That was great, man. That was uh, – uh, the, the football gods are amazing. Just the way that you can go from – I mean, they were literally trying to pick the pose that Kyle Trask was going to be in in the statue that they erect outside of the stadium after he won the Heisman. Like they were going to search for, they were looking for poses. The statue was being built. Whoops. All came to a crashing halt. Whoops. <laughs> hate to see it, Joshua. Yeah, hate to see it. You do, you hate to see it. Um, but let's wrap this thing up. Uh, stick with Knowles 24-7. Signing day is only three days away, like we said. The early signing period begins on Wednesday. We'll have a big signing day extravaganza going on on the website, but it goes through Friday. So um, all the news might not hit on Wednesday. So stick with us. Then January's coming, more news. February's coming, more news. Spring football. Join Knowles 24-7 now. Take advantage of the promo we got going on the website. Anything else before we get out of here, fellas? No, I mean, it should be a it should be an interesting week. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of surprises. Um, but I think, you know, the coaching community obviously becoming a hot topic that we could see some, some things develop very quickly. I yeah. George Wilson today. Exactly. This, this pappy out of this UCF championship mug is delicious. We're not agreeing that it's a championship mug. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. And I'm sick of you trying to, trying to bring us together over this quarterback transfer. For Brennan Sinone, for Chris and me, I'm Josh Newberg. You're listening to On the Bench. Thank you.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.